0: Acts chapter 1, page 1252, if you don't have a copy of Scripture, we're going to uh, look at the third piece of this puzzle that I'm putting together here, and I think I've already tried to make this clear that as we're talking about our magnificent helper, um, there is... Far too much that could be said about a member of the Trinity that could be placed into some five, six, seven week series. And so what I'm doing is I'm looking specifically at the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And I'm looking at various places within that uh, ministry. And so even tonight, it was so hard for me to put this together uh, within the uh Constraints that we have uh, time-wise, because my goodness, I'm talking about the the, the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, goodness. It's just a lot that could be said. So we're going to be very, very specific tonight. That way, uh, I can honor your time, and I and I want it to be um, what God wants it to be, and I want it to be what we can uh, digest and take forth from this place in one. Sitting And so let's pray that God would help us do that and then we'll study together. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God. Thank you that as we are going to talk about him tonight, Lord, his presence has already been felt in this place, Lord. And as we just sing praises unto your name, our hearts just lift up, Lord, the glorious helper that's within us and all that... He does on a moment-by-moment a moment basis so much of which we miss. But Lord, when we when we hear Him, when we feel Him, when we sense His power and His presence in our life, it is such a glorious, amazing, wonderful, wonderful thing. So Father, tonight I just pray that God as we talk about the glorious power of the Holy Spirit that, Father, as he enables us to carry forth his witness, Lord God, and be a, a light in the name of Jesus Christ to this world that you'll just help us. We thank you for your perfect word. We ask that you give us ears to hear, hearts to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. So we started by talking about the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, probably uh, might have been the the most obscure, I guess, or maybe the least known capacity of Holy Spirit. But our the Spirit of God, as we learned in that uh, time together, is is really the source of and the and the, the 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 strength in us to 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 know that we're sealed, that we're secure in Christ. The Spirit of God keeps us secure in Christ and gives us that. Inner confidence and assurance. And then we talked last time we were together about the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. So tonight, the empowering ministry. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Uh, we'll begin in verse 1 and just read through the first eight verses. Luke writes, the former account I made, speaking of his gospel, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after. He, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom He also presented Himself alive after His suffering, that by many infallible proofs being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, Which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be Witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's a mouthful. Really, this section would really take you to verse 11, but if we don't quit here, my goodness, I don't know what I'll do. So we're just going to try to work with what we got. Um, you know, if there ever been times in your life where you've, you just felt like, God, if I could, if I had the power. Lord if I if I if I had the strength to do something or to accomplish something or if I if I could muster up the I don't know you fill in the blank. You know when you feel weak or you feel you feel like you're uh, inadequate or unable or or maybe even sometimes the the task before us seems so daunting and so massive and so mighty that we we think, Lord, how's this ever going to get done? How am I going to get through this? Sometimes it's how am I going to survive it? Other times it's how am I going to accomplish what I need to accomplish? I mean, listen, it would be ridiculous for any of us to uh, pretend, even for a moment, that uh, our lives are not filled with times where we could very easily be overwhelmed. And my goodness, I feel like I face things on a uh an hour-by-hour hour basis that are way beyond any capacity or ability that I have, and I need God to get me through it. And oftentimes, I honestly have no clue uh, how He's going to do that. But if He doesn't, it's not going to happen. And even with something like uh, last Sunday morning service, I mean, my goodness, I don't know how many times in the week preceding up to that, the 47,000 things that had to come together to make that work, it just did not seem... Likely, you know, there were a lot of days leading up to Easter that I thought, well, Lord, okay, it's it's on you. You're going to have to take this and go because, you know, just I mean, think about all of the things that had to. I can't do that. Mickey can't do that. There's no way we we can't do it. And you see, it's the power in God. It's the power of God in us that gives us. Uh, the ability to go forth. But tonight I really want us to look at this mission that we've been called to, that every saved person is called to make the name of Jesus known throughout the place that you find yourself, your immediate context beyond that context and to the uttermost ends of the earth. And it... Honestly, it seems a little bit, I'm not really sure what it seems. It, it seems on one hand that the, the, the church is, uh, the American church as a whole is laboring under this call to make disciples. Uh, we have spent uh, several decades farming that out to professionals and negating our own personal responsibility and even as I, I had this text in my mind as I was preparing uh, for this morning's sermon, I was thinking to myself of all the things that if I were, if I were a Martian visiting from, a, from some planet and, a, and I obtained a Bible and was able to read through a Bible and then acclimate myself to life on earth, uh, uh, all the questions I would ask. And one of them, right off the bat, would be, now isn't it interesting that as believers, people say, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. I, I Man, I, I mean, I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, I'm involved, I serve, I give, I do all these things. But the great commandment just doesn't seem that great. And it's amazing to me how many things we can put in the quadrant of the great commandment or the great commission. You know how we can just sort of farm those out and just say, well, you know, I don't actually share the gospel with people, but I give to missions. Well, that's not in there. It's not in there. In other words, here's, here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying sell everything you have and get on a plane and fly to India and spend the rest of your life sharing the gospel there, although I'd be very thrilled if that's what God tells you. But here's what I'm saying. How is it, this is all I'm saying, how is it that we can read a text Jesus says now just get the picture here. They're hunkered down in fear and trembling. The resurrected Christ has appeared to them in unmistakable ways. And He's, uh, he's speaking to them and encouraging them. And He tells them, do not depart from here because you remember all the things that I was telling you about you're going to be better off when I leave and I'm going to send the promise of the Father, I'm going to send the Helper to you. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. And when He comes, then here's your marching orders. You're going to receive power and that power is going to enable you to be witnesses to me. Now, I'm from Mars. I read this. I began traveling around the United States of America, visiting evangelical churches. Is this not going to be a little bit shocking? Uh, Am I not going to be scratching my head, wondering, hmm... It's amazing how many people know Christians and they know that you go to church and they know that you believe the Bible, and they, and, but you've never shared your faith with them. And here's the other thing. We, we say things like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say or I don't know, I don't know. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're going to receive power. It's not on you. That you're going to get this free gift of power that is going to enable you, which is what we're talking about tonight, to accomplish this mission. So wouldn't it make sense? In other words, based on just this text alone, not to mention all the other places we could go, but just this text, that the evangelical Christian church should be an army of evangelists that off of the lips of our mouth on a daily basis to all the people that we come in contact with would be being a witness to Him. Wouldn't it? So it would appear to me that something is dreadfully wrong. And I'm pretty sure it's not on God's part. So according to God, every saved person possesses the power to bear witness to Jesus. So if you would say tonight, well... Tony, I I really wish I had more power in my life. Well, the good news is, uh, I guess the bad news is that that's never going to happen. Because if you're saved, you already have all the power you're going to get. The good news is it's all the power you're ever going to need. You already have it. You don't need anything else. It's already there. So the question is, how do we activate the power that we already possess to accomplish specifically this mission to which we've been called? That's really just the the narrow scope that I want us to address tonight. So number one, why does the Holy Spirit empower our witness? Now, I understand this ought to be painfully obvious, but I think it's worth having a short discussion about. Why does the Holy Spirit empowers? Well, obviously to fulfill the mission that Jesus gave to us as his body, as his bride, as the church, that we are to carry this witness that we possess to the ends of the earth, to all people in all places in every generation. Now, When we get to Luke 24, and Luke deals with the Great Commission, I'll read this to you. These verses won't come up, I don't think. But in Luke 24, as Luke winds up his gospel, here's what he says. Then Jesus said unto them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Now watch what happens. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endowed with the power from on high. You see that Luke is very specific. He says, now here's what has occurred. Here's everything that you know. All these things have been fulfilled according to the prophets and the Psalms. They're all been laid out. And then he opens, God's going to open their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. And the immediate verse that follows their comprehension of the Scriptures is, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary, not only for Christ to suffer. See, we got that. Not only for Christ to die. Oh, we got that. Not only for Christ to rise from the dead on the third day. We got that. I mean, we don't have any problem celebrating Easter. We're good at that. But as soon as it transitions and that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in His name to all nations. In other words, the vehicle is people. The method is people. You're witnesses of these things. the moment that God saved you, you became a first-hand witness to the power of God to transform broken lives, to bring life into dead people and to send us forth. And it it astonishes me how easy it is for all of us to just trail away from this truth as if as if there's some loophole or shortcut and, and it's even crazier to think why would we want that to be? Why? because places in the world where Christianity is spreading like wildfire believe me those who God is using to do that are so exuberant and so excited and so thrilled at what they're seeing and what what's going I mean it's just the most they're not it's, they're, they're not laboring in this command they're not they're not bemoaning this command. They are absolutely overjoyed that God has given the privilege to people to be the vehicle, the conduit of His grace and mercy to a lost and dying world. So it is It is quite astonishing, is it not? It is truly an astonishing thing. And... And we're talking about being a witness here and, and Luke is equating the necessity and he's he's foretelling of Christ's death and resurrection and the evangelization of the world he's 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 bringing these two things together and welding them together if you will in in his uh, commission so that we can't pull them apart that they're interlinked that that the the reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ makes the evangelization of the world an absolute imperative it's a necessity it's it it one begets the other you see the great commission's always been God's plan it's not like plan b or c it wasn't it wasn't because of some events in human history. It's always been that way. It's always been that Jesus Christ would be preached and glorified, and that His name would be exalted and lifted up. And so He says, He says to to you and to me, He says, "I understand. I understand that this could be a." a A daunting task. I understand it could be a little bit intimidating. I I get that. So don't leave Jerusalem. Stay put. Don't venture out there on your own, in your own authority and power. I mean, it's not going to be good. But he says, then the promise of the Father is coming. And when that happens, everything you need is going to be provided and more. It's there. So don't depart from Jerusalem. But when you receive it, You go. So that's the why. Number two, well, when? When does the Holy Spirit empower our witness? Again, it may seem obvious, but we need to talk about it because it, something is clearly the stumbling block in so many people's lives, and so we need to try to address each of these issues. So when does this happen? Well, there's clearly in Scripture a connection between speaking the Word in Jesus' name and lost people becoming saved. It's a connection between uh, the, the Word of God and hearing. There's a connection between the, the preached Word of God and the receptive nature of the human heart, the condition of the soil of the heart. Uh, there's a There's a... A connection you can draw a million different ways, but the connection exists between the speaking forth of truth and the salvation of lost sinners. And so the Spirit empowers our speech when we speak His Word in His name. So what I'm saying is with regards to the work of the the empowering ministry of the Spirit in the life of a believer... Here would be just, you know, problem number one, if you will. Or maybe reason number one. One reason why so many evangelical Christians don't experience this power is simple. They don't speak Jesus' word in His name. And so therefore, you see, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know... A lamp. If you want the lamp to work, you have to plug it in. Now, you can click it all day long. You can kick it and throw it and change the bulb and rewire it and paint it, take it to the store and exchange it and come back. You can do everything you want to do to it. You can study it, draw it. You can. But if you don't plug it in, it's not turning on. And so we can, we can, we can get all sorts of theological information. We can hear wonderful sermons. We can be challenged by glorious Sunday school lessons. We can read all the books we want. We can do all the things in the world. But if we don't open our mouth and speak forth the word of God in His name and in His power, it's not going to happen. You have to open your mouth and talk. And so if If you say, well, you know, I I just try. In other words, I guess the starting point is where it always is. Is the Bible true? Don't skip that step. Just stay there for a second. Is it true? Is every word in this book true? And if the answer is yes, then okay, 99.9% of our problems just got solved. If it's true, okay, then, then all I need to know now is what does it say? And I'm ready to go, right? Yeah, but if we don't go there first and we start thinking about, well, how? Well, but you're, you're skipping a very important step. You see? In other words, if I come up to your house... I want to visit you and your house is fenced in. And so me and my wife, we drive up to your house and we want to we want to visit you. And, uh, you know, you're inside and I can see that glorious doorbell right up there on the front porch. But I'm outside the fence. And because I have studied under the master of all masters, Joe Wurz, he's taught me this. You just don't roll into somebody's yard without testing. So we shake the gate. At which time a very large, hungry, four-legged animal comes out from the abyss. And so Lisa and I then commence to this elaborate strategy of how we're going to enter the gate get to the doorbell to get your attention, to visit you. And so probably it's going to go like this, okay? Lisa's going to distract him while I hurl myself over the fence like a giant milk bone and run like crazy for the button so I can press it to get your attention. And so we come out with this elaborate... But isn't... We missed a step here, didn't we? The first question is, does the dog... Bite. Because if the answer is no, then all this stuff we're doing is worthless. If he's just a big pile of mush and all he wants to do is lick me, then we don't have to have this conversation, do we? You see, this is what happens when we skip steps, when we just come to conclusions, we're skipping over things. Is it true? Yes or no? And if it's yes, then take a deep breath. Go, okay, it's true. Now, what does it say? Okay, it's true and it says this. Good. Now I'm ready to go. But what we do is we don't ask that question and we start coming up with these elaborate ways to accomplish things that God didn't say. He said, preach my name. Speak of me. I'm going to give you power. So go out there and do it. Do it where you live. Do it in your community. Do it in your nation. Do it around the world. Participate in all those ways, as many ways as you possibly can. Do that. Notice the connection between transformation and actually verbalizing that which you know to be true. Acts chapter 4, verse 4, however, many of those who heard the word believed. You know, it didn't just say, well, you know what? There were many people, they believed. It could have said that, but it didn't. They heard the word and they believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. You see, they got saved because they heard. But in order for them to hear, someone had to speak. And if someone doesn't speak, then they don't hear. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Then the word of God spread. It spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many priests were obedient to the faith. Isn't that amazing? What spread? The flu, it wasn't spreading. It was the word that spread. And how was the word spread? It was spread because it was spread from person to person, from household to household, from, from brother to sister and sister to brother, and around the way it went. And it is amazing what happens. So I always think to myself, I thank Lord So if I spend 20 hours studying digging and searching and praying and pleading and mining and and God if you give me something to say and Lord I I stand up on Sunday morning and I pour myself out like a drink offering everything that's within me. And it stops here. What have we really accomplished? In other words, is that the point? Is the point for us all to just be a big group of depositories and to just keep depositing more in and more in and more in. But for what purpose? What's the point? It really will make you scratch your head, won't it? You start asking yourself, Questions like, what are we doing? Why do we do this? Because let me tell you, there's a whole lot easier ways to just transmit information And to make people feel good or satisfied or whatever the case may be. So number three, how does the Holy Spirit empower our witness? How? How does that happen? Well, I think to understand this, when we look at verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. We just need to think about this for a moment. You shall be witnesses to me. Not. Not advocates. Witnesses. There's a specific. Difference. Between being an advocate for something, a proponent of something, and a witness of something. An advocate is, I think, the role that we tend to embrace or gravitate towards as a substitution. An advocate would be one who maybe argues on behalf of another An advocate is is one who speaks with understanding and logic in a persuasive nature to try to convince another person about something. But that's not what it says. Now, that may sound good to you, but that's not what you're called to be. Persuasive speech is not what you're called to have. It may be helpful, but that's not the end goal. And you are to be advocates, and I am to be an advocate. But again, that's not the point where to be much more than an advocate, and that would be to be a witness. A witness is one who has seen something. That's totally different from merely being an advocate, isn't it? A witness is someone who's experienced something. A witness has some first-hand information about that which they're speaking. Which was the reason why a witness is called upon for testimony. Now, sometimes an advocate is called upon for testimony. But an advocate is only a support mechanism around a witness. Right? You remember Matlock? So, a witness may be an advocate, but an advocate is not a witness. A witness speaks as one who knows. To be a witness of Jesus, you got to know Jesus. That's why you have to stay in Jerusalem until you receive power. Because if you leave prior to the power, all you can do is be an advocate, and that's going to be of little good. Because the scripture is filled with advocates who amounted to nothing. It's witnesses that have power. So you're gonna stay until the promise of the Father comes upon you and then you're gonna be a witness. You, you can't divorce the two. You gotta have the power to be a witness. But you gotta be a witness to be effective. See, Paul is not only going to give the facts of the gospel. Peter not only gives the facts, because they do. They're an advocate. They give the facts. They reason with logic. Do they not? Sure. But that's not all they do. They speak from personal experience, don't they? That's exactly what they do. And so... I don't really know what every person in this room's capacity is to speak forth the the Word of God in Jesus' name and in His power. I don't know what your level of understanding is. But just based on the fact that it is a Sunday night, number one. And number two... Again, is an irrelevant conversation because if the Bible's true and that's what it says, if you're saved, don't you got something to say? Yeah. I mean it just sort of comes with the territory, doesn't it? So how does this work for us? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to empower our witness by removing... One of the ways He's going to do this is He, he, he removes all doubt about our salvation. You see, the Spirit of God in His sealing ministry is going to give us assurance of our salvation, which is going to thwart our fear, which is always why. If you, I mean, I, I mean, trust me, I go through this every eight weeks. I say to my starting point class, it's real simple. What is the number one greatest danger? What is the most obvious and common way that the process of sanctification is ground to a halt in the life of a believer? It is bar none the doubt of your salvation. If you're doubting your salvation, your spiritual life is in quicksand. You're not moving. Because, my goodness, it's a scary thing. You don't know if you're supposed to wait in Jerusalem or not. I mean, let's just, let's just pretend for a second. What if they wouldn't have listened to Jesus and just rolled out? Said, you know what, we'll, we'll get the promise of the Father later. We'll just go out on our own. We'd have be having a totally different conversation right now, wouldn't we? Yeah. And so when you have assurance of your salvation... Which comes through the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit, then the grace of God and his goodness towards us, so he, he does he, he gives us everything we need so that we may be bold. I mean, he, he called us to do something. And so he's not just gonna kind of provide, he's gonna give us Everything, and you know what? You're different from me and I'm different from you. And across the span of this room, God's taking care of every nuance and detail and circumstance and situation in your life so that you can do this in your own way. You see, you won't do this the way I do this and I won't do this the way you do this and that's okay. You know what? Because what's the command? Just be a witness. That's it. Just be a witness of what you've experienced. Your story's not my story. My story's not yours. It kind of makes you scratch your head, doesn't it? I just started thinking to myself as I was looking at this all week, I was thinking, if I go into the Christian bookstore, how many training systems are there for sharing your faith? Just think that through for a second. Is that silly? I'm not saying they're not effective or helpful. I'm just saying, wow. Wow. Like, gee, God, you know, you inside of us, that's not enough. I need some little thing to memorize. Just tell your story. That's all. That's that's what God's saying. So he empowers us by removing all doubt. Romans chapter 8. The scripture says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are Children of God. Is that true? Because if it is, then what are we afraid of? 1 John chapter 4 By this we know, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. All right, so let's just. Pull all this together by thinking about this for a second. This issue of being a, an advocate versus a witness. If you, if you decided that uh, your family decided that you were going to go on vacation next summer. And so uh, you got together as a family and you said, okay, family, uh, we're going to go on vacation next summer. We're not really sure what we're going to do, what we're going to block out this time. And, you know, we're going to set some money aside and we're going to go on vacation. And so the first question everyone's going to have is, where are we going? That's what I'm going to want to know. It's what you're going to want to know. And so let's just suppose hypothetically that it's my family. And I say, well, family, I haven't really decided yet, but I'm open for suggestions. Now that's going to set off a chain reaction of events right there because there's going to be very different uh, agendas proposed. But that's okay. So let's just suppose that You were in my family. And that you wanted to go to Hawaii. That we got a bazillion frequent flyer miles and you can go anywhere you want to go. So Hawaii is where you want to go. Which I would say wouldn't be a bad choice. So you want to go to Hawaii. But you see you got other family members and you know some of them want to go to Disney World and other ones want to go to New York City And so here's what you can do. You can get on the internet. You can... Download various uh, pictures. You could even make a PowerPoint. You could print out some brochures. You could you could call the uh, Hawaii State Chamber of Commerce. You could get all sorts of information. You could get decals. And you could get videos and DVDs and all sorts of things. And what you could do is on the night of presentation, you could bring all your gear in there. And you could set up all your electronic wizardry. And you could make your case as an advocate for Hawaii because that's where you want to go on vacation. You could do that. And it may or may not be successful depending on how well the other people were prepared. Or you could invite someone who was born in Hawaii, who grew up in Hawaii, who lived in Hawaii, who knows everything there is to know about Hawaii. You could invite them to come and testify as a witness... And so instead of just looking at brochures, instead of just imagining what something might be, you could actually have someone sit down in your living room and explain to your other family members, hey, here's what it's like to walk barefoot on a black sand beach. Here's, here's how the ground trembles at Waimea Bay when... 40-foot surf crashes into the shoreline. Here's what standing under a 500-foot waterfall feels like. You see, there's a complete and utter difference in merely harnessing a bunch of information about something. And speaking from that which you have experienced. Witnesses know something's true. Because they've experienced it. And so the question is not, is Christianity going to work for the people that you need to share with? The question is not, are they going to respond favorably? Or are they going to walk away? The question is not, is it going to be successful or not successful? None of those are the questions. The question is, is it true? That's the question. And if it is, is there any possible way that it's not going to be an astonishing moment in the history of the world when millions and millions of American evangelicals stand before God with a boatload of information, With this vast array of experiences and activities and programs and projects. But they neglected to do the main thing they were called to do. You receive power, power from on high to be his witness, to be his witness, to be his witness in your neighborhood, in your job, everywhere you go, in the grocery store, at the mechanic shop, to be his witness. And if you think I'm a fanatic, and if you think I'm in dreamland, and if you think this is ridiculous, well, you take it up with this. Because it's crystal clear. We got everything we need. We just got to get out there and open our mouth. And know that whatever happens is up to God. God. But my goodness, what will it be like? For those who hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. Let's stand, bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we're grateful that you love us so much that you pierce our hearts. You pierce them, Lord. You just pierce my heart thinking about this passage. How many thousands of times have I failed you in this arena? God, you love us so much that you refuse to leave us where we are. You're always pressing us to be more than we are today. To move forward in our growth in the likeness of Your Son. Thank You, Lord. Thank You. You're such a wonderful Father. You're such a great, amazing, and mighty Parent. You just walk beside us. You take us by the hand and you say, okay, okay. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, come on. Let's go. You open your mouth and I'll do the rest. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So grateful. So thankful. So, Father, as we respond to you in whatever personal way we need to. God, may you be glorified in our honesty and our transparency before you. For your glory, in Jesus' name.